This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am so psyched that you're here as we are getting to talk to movers and shakers and sharers in the adoption community all over the internet this season. This is season eight, episode 116. And as always, I am Alex Fitton, and I'm so glad to be on this ride alongside you today as we sit down with Kelsey Ranyard. You guys know I love to mix up the season by including episodes featuring members of each point of the adoption triad. We get to hear an adoptee point of view and we got to do that this season with Melena Rogers. And today we have the immense privilege of learning from a birth mom. You might know Kelsey from her popular Instagram from another mother or from her own podcast, Twisted Sisterhood with fellow birth mom, Ashley Mitchell. She has her hands in all kinds of adoption work and advocacy, and I am so excited to get all up in it. First, I want to remind y'all of a kindergarten classic, which is that sharing is caring. Y'all don't know how giddy it makes me to see when you share an episode you love or just the podcast in general on your social media feeds and in your stories. Uh, With all the marketing advancements, word of mouth is still the absolute best way that people find out about cool new stuff. So having someone you know and trust recommend something is absolute gold. And I appreciate it so much when you share this little community with your people. With that said... Let's go talk to Kelsey Ranyard. If you're adopting in the U.S., you probably need an adoption profile book. We believe that this snapshot into your life is one of the most important investments you'll make on your adoption journey. After all, the pages in your book act as your first impression to an expectant mother as she envisions what her child's future will look like. Four years after their own adoption journey, our friends at Little Ampersand Co. have created over 300 adoption profile books, helping families just like yours connect with expectant parents and bring the newest addition to their family home. Little Ampersand Co. is offering AMP listeners $100 off any adoption profile book package with the code ADOPTIVEMOM. Start your journey today at littleampersandco.com or check them out on Instagram at littleampersandco. And don't forget to use the code ADOPTIVEMOM for $100 off any adoption adoption profile book package. All right, on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am so excited to be sitting here with Kelsey Ranyard. Um, You do a lot of things, so I'm not even going to try to like go into that introduction myself. So I'm just going to let you tell us who you are and what you do, your family, all that kind of stuff. Okay. um, So I'm a birth mom of five years in an open adoption. Um, so basically my day job, I am the director of advocacy and policy at adopt match. Um, that encompasses a number of things. Um, I sometimes I joke that it encompasses kind of whatever I want, but that's not really true. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I'm an advocate for safe, ethical child-centered adoptions, And I am an advocate for birth mom rights. And I've spent the past several years working in the adoption field, um, working at a couple different agencies, law firms, um, 
I worked in the adoption field on the West Coast, the Midwest, and now I'm in the Southeast, I guess. Um, I'm a co-host of Twisted Sisterhood podcast with Ashley Mitchell, and I live in North Carolina with my husband and my six-month-old daughter. Man, so you're like, you're, I mean... You're, you're not new to motherhood, but then you're like, it's fresh in your home right now. So you kind of have like all of this stuff going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, you, you have, like I said, a a lot going on, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. And I know even before you were at your current job or before even the podcast started, you did so much advocacy just on Instagram and, um, through other social media platforms. And I definitely want to get into how all of that has gone for you. And especially how, um, how you've seen the uh, kind of like birth mom narrative shift in recent years. But first I just want to hear your personal story, just in your experience with adoption and birth motherhood and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I graduated college in 2015 and within a few months, um, of, of moving home to Indiana, I was pregnant and it was just a summer relationship. So it was never going to go anywhere. Um, and I pretty quickly decided on adoption. I didn't have any money, any like real concrete support. And so, um, concrete support for parenting, I should say. Um, and so I kind of just walked this very confusing, numbing path of an unplanned pregnancy in my hometown. And, um, I picked a family probably five, four or five months in. So pretty early in my pregnancy. And I got to know them, um, throughout the pregnancy. And then I had my son in May of 2016 and, um, After going home, I remember the days um, following were just just the worst ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I left the hospital very confused and very just grief stricken and heartbroken. And um, I remember I called my best friend and I was like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do right now. And he's just like, well, let's go to the bar (laughs) because that's what we do. And I hadn't been in so long. So it was just like. And my best friend also happens to be an adoptee and like to sit there and process that with him has been, it's so, I mean, it's continuous. I've been doing that with him for five years. And so um, it's really just been such a weird journey of, um, you know, kind of this downward spiral that happened in the year after placement to the, the rebuild and the searching for community and finding it and then trying to filter the community (laughs) to what I need um, for my personal healing and um, jumping into the professional world of adoption much too soon. And so um, it's just been a really quick five years since placement. And I know a lot of people have said to me, like, oh, I really thought you placed like a long time ago. I, I didn't understand it was only five years ago. And I'm like, yeah. And I just feel like since I had my daughter in December of 2020, that I'm finally like catching my breath because I can't like move as quick as I did because I have to, I'm getting spit up on every five seconds. So I really don't have that kind of time anymore. Um, but yeah, like it's been a, a huge part of my life for the past five years, it's been, 
um, probably uh, contributed to some kind of an unhealthy work-life balance for sure. And um, I still have an open adoption with my son. I see him about once a year at this point, um, but we do communicate throughout via text and FaceTime and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a very interesting part of my life. And I really like to think of my life as before placement and after, because that's really how, or before pregnancy really, and after, because that's really how it feels to me. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. I think that that's such a like line in the sand for so many people, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's adoption, birth, motherhood, traditional parenting, any Mm -hmm. of that, it's, it's, you know, your life before and your life after. But I think that the hard thing, especially when talking with birth mothers is that, there's that hard line in the sand, but it's an invisible thing for everyone else. So on the surface, you look quote normal to everyone. So you're probably not allowed the same graces that so many new mothers are given. Um, what was was that like for you? Just kind of having to breathe alone. Like every bad decision you could make every bad choice that I had to make, like I took it. And, um, that first year was just, I didn't have a counselor or I didn't have anything, anyone that was really like, um, they might have known my best interest at heart, but no one was, no one was like divulging that information to me and helping guiding me through that year. Um, yeah, it was just a weird year. Like I got engaged, (laughs) those like stupid stuff like that, where uh, had no business doing the things that I was doing. Um, but I, I very much operated on feeling, which is unusual for me. Um, I'm a pretty practical minded person. I'm Enneagram one, like I'm very calculated in how I move. And that year for me was very out of character. And just with how grief stricken I was, I, I went into whatever felt comfortable and felt comforting Um, so I leaned on people I probably shouldn't have. And I leaned on things I probably shouldn't have. Like, I, I mean, this is minor in my mind, I guess, but I know I, I started smoking cigarettes again. And that was like a stress thing for me. Um, and I had to, and I had previously quit, obviously you're not supposed to when you're pregnant. So I quit before then. And I really didn't have the urge to do it. And I remember the summer after I placed, I thought like, well, that's what I really should do because that would help with stress and I don't have any other outlets for that. So I did that again. I mean, but that was just so minor in the scheme of it. And um, yeah, it was a whirlwind of a year. And um, it wasn't until I, I called off my wedding the next year that I was like, you're a shit show. <laughs> like you really need to slow down and, and figure out what the root of this problem is. I started going to birth mom support group. I found one in my area and I was just really fortunate to have one in my area. And I started finding community there, which is where I actually met the agency that I ended up working for my first agency job in Indianapolis. And um, from there, I moved to Indy right before it had been a year post-placement and I had, I was fortunate enough to work with a really great agency and a really progressive agency. And on top of that, I got to spend year two post-placement 
working with therapists every day who were genuinely invested in me as a person and genuinely concerned and helping me um, do a lot of self work, which was everything to me. So yeah. that was really the turning point in my post-placement life, I guess. You know, it's interesting you say that. And I feel like I can only say this to a fellow Enneagram one, because otherwise it would be like mean or something, but like, I know we really struggle with anger, especially anger below the surface. And so I imagine you going into adoption work while that wound is still super raw, like that probably brought up a lot of anger for you, you know? And I really still struggle with it. I think when I went into it, I was like, I think the Enneagram one has that obviously that huge piece where you're like, you want to do good and you want to be good. And, um, so that, you know, you go into anything thinking I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do this and that. And then I kind of started to see what we were really up against to do good work in adoption and how the system was really set up against everyone. And I had really, um, I struggled with the rage part because I was like, so mad, didn't know who I was mad at exactly. I could, it took me a while to pinpoint it. Um, and, but once I figured it out, I felt very focused, but that first couple of years was hard because it, I was just so angry and I do still struggle with that. I think, um, you get to this anger, um, like phase and then you, you want everyone to be angry with you and you don't understand why they're not angry about the same things. And so then you kind of get into the, your feelings a little bit, like, am I the only one that cares about this? <laughs> so yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. Like it's, <laughs> it's so hard. Like, I, I don't yeah. even know how to say it more eloquently other than just like, it's freaking hard. Like yeah. it, it, it's hard to see brokenness all around you have the desire to fix it, but no tools. Um, but I mean that I think you're feeling such a need there, even though it might've taken some finagling or just working around or figuring out like, okay, what can I do? Um, yeah. So, okay. You mentioned community and you mentioned that you found a support group. So, and Mm -hmm. that you also didn't have counseling. So like what on earth, man, like, how did you get through that? What, what community did you find? How did you find them? I, it was a matter of chance. I was working, um, at this Greek diner back home that I've worked at for years and years and years. And, um, since I was 16, I worked there and one of the waitresses that was a good friend of mine was like, I actually know someone from, cause she was just working there part-time. She's like, I know someone from my nursing school. She's a birth mom. And I was like, oh, okay. And I never, well, my dad's adopted, but that's the only birth mom I've ever known is my grandma. And so I was like, okay. So she's like, she actually leads a support group in South Bend, Indiana. And I was like, all right, that's a half hour from here. (laughs) You know, like, how do we get stuff with her? And so she connected me and I went to support group and it was like life-changing to sit with other women that have gone through similar experiences. It was Um, it just like flipped a switch in my brain and listening to everybody, um, talk was healing for me, but ultimately it like kind of lit a fire that was like, wait, why have we all gone through? Why, what's the root of this problem? Why are we all sitting here in distress? 
you know, like what, why haven't we gotten the support that we need? Um, and so I kind of was like a little eager beaver about it, but, um, definitely was like, I know something needs to happen. I'm going to throw darts at the wall and see where it hits. And you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. But community was a turning point for me. I, um, started to meet more and more people. I met some people that I was like, yeah, maybe not you, <laughs> but, uh, it's definitely, um, an interesting process of finding people that you connect with and maybe some people that you don't. Um, I found some really great people going to the wrong kind of conferences. So I, I, it helped me by going, um, and involving myself, even in things that weren't necessarily, um, my arena, but finding like-minded people in those spaces that maybe felt a little out of place, just like I did. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head just saying, you know, just because you share a common, not interest, but like, a experience, mm-hmm. there's the word, doesn't mean that it's going to be like match made in heaven or whatever. I think that that's, that's true of adoptive moms. That's true of adoptees. I mean, that's true of any part of our triad is right. that it's not one size fits all. It's not like you're a birth mom. This person's a birth mom. You guys should be besties, you know? And yeah. I think that that's, um, that's something that bonds you for certain, but I also really love that you've not just sat in the background of this narrative that you've not just said, like, I'm going to be along for the ride, but you've kind of created your own ride, um, with some of those people that you've connected with. So tell us about that. I know that, you know, it started on Instagram, right. And then it's kind of transitioned into lots of different avenues. Yeah. So, um, I am, I have a podcast with Ashley Mitchell, Twisted Sisterhood podcast. And, um, Ashley and I met actually because my boss now I met her at a conference and then she, flew me out to Los Angeles to attend their training for lifetime healing. And I wasn't even working for them yet, but they, she was just like, I really think that you should come see this. And so that's how I met Ashley. I knew who Ashley was, but I didn't um, know her personally until I was there and everything really clicked with us. And I think we kind of became um, uh, kind of just, I think we, you know, when you just like meet someone that you have the same goal, you might not go about the same way, but you really notice, um, your relationship is very like complimentary that like, that's how it felt. Like we complement each other and we, um, you know, whatever she lacks, I fill in the gap for that and vice versa. So, um, meeting her back in 20, 17, I think, gosh. Yeah. Um, that was, that was also just set us on a very different path than what I thought we would take. Um, but we really collaborate together on Instagram and stuff like that. Now on Instagram, I started off telling my story and talking about that. And I think that's pretty typical, a way to go about it. You start by talking about your own personal experience and then you, but then I saw all these issues going on inside my day job. Um, not necessarily like problems, like bad things going on at my workplace, but 
bad things going on elsewhere. And then, you know, changes we had to make at my workplace too, um, of ways, things that we were doing, practices we were doing that were kind of ancient that we had to bring us into the, you know, 21st century. So, um, it really shifted my, my, not my narrative, my, um, just what I was uh, talking about on Instagram really shifted into the professional realm Mm because I saw a lot of, um, I saw a lot of adoptive parents on there talking about their, um, issues with the professionals and they were asking questions like, why does adoption cost so much and stuff like that? And I thought to myself, you know, the answers that I have always heard that are given are, you know, we just provide so many services and whatever. And then it's like, you sit there and you think, wait, why does it cost so much? Because I, it doesn't really make sense. And so um, I started looking at these questions and these impossible answers and trying to find the real answers. And then once we were starting to find the real answers, we really didn't like what we were finding. And then we thought, okay, this stuff needs to be public knowledge. And part of the problem is such a lack of transparency. And so we were like, okay, let's um, make our goal very concise, very easily understood. And let's bring transparency um, to the forefront of our advocacy. And I think, I hope, and I think that's what we've, that's what we've done. Um, we, we know adoption isn't going anywhere. We know it's a need because various things in our society, we have little to no, um, social programs for women in crisis. We have, um, extensive infertility and, um, you know, they have by, by nature, I think it's kind of presented adoption as a solution for this. Um, where I draw the line is that um, I don't believe that we need to exploit vulnerable parties to to get to that solution. And so I think the way to preserve adoption as a choice is um, to be transparent and to, um, you know, restore uh, restore everything and, um, you know, make make sure that everything is transparent and everything is, um, is looking out for the, the little guy in this. And, um, I think that's the way to have an ethical adoption as well with, um, how your child is going to feel about this later. So really that's, I mean, a roundabout way, that's, that's what we're trying to do with our advocacy. And on Instagram has just been our main platform, but I would, uh, we are starting to take it elsewhere. So. Yeah. What was that? What was that transition like for you? Cause I know, I mean, you're just, before you started the podcast, your personal Instagram, your personal story, it got a lot of attention. I mean, a lot of people were looking to you to be that online support and specifically even adoptive moms were looking to you to be that kind of birth mom representative for them to learn from. So what was that? What was that like for you? Um, and then specifically, what was that transition into, um, a little bit more of a like professional guarded kind of what you're putting yeah. out space. Um, I think for one, I think uh, when you listen to any voice, it's only that one voice. It's only that one individual. Um, I don't speak for all birth moms, but I definitely try to include 
all of them um, in my advocacy. So I think really it's just been, I, I hear a lot of times and Ashley, I know hears it too, where they're like, oh, I wish my child's birth mom was like you, you know? And I'm just like, well, we don't come without struggles and issues. I mean, I've had plenty of issues in my life and placing your child is not your first trauma. So it's, you're working with layers and layers of it, of um, all kinds of stuff before placement, even before pregnancy even was on the table. So, but really like I transitioned from my story really for, for privacy reasons, just my son's getting older kids know how to use internet way before we knew how to use the internet. Um, So I don't know, you know, what kind of things he's going to find. And that, that is something that worries me. Um, And then also just, I had this other piece that was really valuable, the professional piece, because I've job hopped around the adoption industry. And so I've gotten to know, um, these different professionals. I've gotten to know how these networks and these webs of professionals operate. And so um, I felt like that was a really valuable piece. I still do talk about my personal experience as a birth mom. Um, Although because my life has moved forward, um, I don't, I think about it every day for sure. It's not like it's out of sight, out of mind or anything, but I definitely don't sit in the intensity of it every day. And so I really don't have new stuff to talk about. Um, (laughs) Like I just don't, I don't have new things to reveal as often as I did. There was so much self-discovery in that first couple years Mm -hmm. or now I'm five years out. There's definitely still self-discovery. Some of it is, takes me a really long time to unravel. And so I don't necessarily even have it um, all put together to present. Um, And I'm very like, I have to have it. I have to be um, very prepared before I put out any kind of content. It's Mm. just a weird (laughs) thing. (laughs) No, I think that, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense with what you said. Just, I think that when we're as adoptive moms, when we're talking about trauma, um, that's a really unique kind of beast that we're dealing with often for the first time. Um, and it's something that we often don't understand and how, how it can feel like, oh, that's like, we feel like we can relate to it is what I'm saying. And then it happens and you can't. There's yeah. nothing to prepare you for that. And as a birth mom, I, I feel like that, that trauma would feel the same to you guys. It's so new. Um, but it's also, there's so much less support for it. Um, which is really sad. And, you know, the very first birth mom episode I ever had on this podcast, um, my guest kind of called out the church specifically as someone yeah. who was in the church, she was saying like, you guys have adoption or we, you know, as we have adoption Sunday, but we don't have like birth moms Sunday or there's not support for that. It's, and, and we've seen that narrative shift a little bit, which is great, but I know that it is probably not without, you know, some bumps and learning curves and stuff. So how has that been for you to watch this 
kind of steadily climb like, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere even at a snail's pace. What is that like? I definitely have seen on this Instagram community for sure that um, a very huge difference in the way people talk about it from what they did even three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I get on Facebook and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) these people are nuts. And so I think, um, I'm in like every adoptive adoption group on Facebook possible as much as anyone will let me in. I join. Um, I like to see what's going on. I don't like to participate. I just like to see, um, I want to know, I think if I decided to just sit on Instagram, I would, think we were doing amazing. Um, but then I get on other platforms and I just, the internet digitally, everything changes so quick. Um, and so now we have TikTok and I'm like, I don't want to get a TikTok. I don't want to get a TikTok. And then people keep sending me these TikToks about adoption. I'm like, all right, I'll get on TikTok. I don't, I'm not going to do a TikTok video, but I'm going to look and see what's going on. And you, I mean, there are different platforms for different people and it's just such a small scale of what happens on Instagram. However, it is encouraging to see that minds have been changed. They can be changed. And if your mindset is shifting, then, you know, hopefully your personal open adoption relationship is shifting as well and growing and, and um, changing for the better. And really, that's what we want to see. My goal is never to, I mean, I, my goal is never to like make anyone feel bad or, um, you know, put anyone down. Although some people I'm sure think that that is my goal, but that is not. Um, But I, I want you to take what you learn on the internet, on what we are doing for advocacy. And I want you to take it home with you and keep it in your pocket and use it when you need it. Um, incorporate it into your home, into your adoption. Um, and really also on a larger scale, my goal is to humanize everyone in the triad um, and to show what they're up against when they pursue adoption um, in order to make change. I have noticed changes. I there is so much more work to be done though. (laughs) Like so much. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's why I said like at a snail's pace, but even just taking it, just the amount of open adoptions that are occurring now versus before where, you know, we have just like half a generation older than us, you know, adoptive moms are not mortified. That's a, a really strong word, but just kind of floored by like, Oh, open adoption. You're doing that. And it's like, that's kind of the norm now because mm-hmm. so much research is showing that that is absolutely the best thing. And it's crazy that it took this long to get that research back. Well, but- and, and to be honest, there's not a whole lot of research at all on it. And then we're still waiting on things because open adoption from the nineties is really not open adoption. It's more like semi open. And so we're still kind of waiting. I mean, Mike's child is only five. Ashley's child is 15, I believe now. So those kids haven't grown up yet in these very open um, arrangements. So I'm not really, we don't really know Mm -hmm. how this is going to go. And so, um, but back 
in the 80s, 90s, agencies started um, advertising open adoption. They were losing birth mom clientele. Um, and, and so they were like, okay, well, maybe the secrecy part wasn't very good. And so we'll then open it. So I don't know. I think it's I, from what I've seen for the adoptees, it's been healthier. I, I know a couple of adoptees that um, had very open adoptions from the nineties and forward. And I've, I've actually heard really encouraging things. So I think that's important. Um I, I think there's more to it, but really like I, it is weird um, talking to people though, that weren't in open adoptions and to hear the speculation of what that might be like. My, my dad's adoptive mom, my grandma, she's always talked very badly about my dad's birth mom, which is shocking to me. Um, it wasn't shocking growing up. It was just kind of awkward because I've always known her. I've always known both of my grandmas and I like, I didn't see an issue, but um, they've never met. And my dad's been in reunion since he was 26 (laughs) and he's now 55. (laughs) So um, I always heard these terrible things. And then once I had my son, my grandma would say things to me like, you're just, you're so lucky that they even let you see him. And you're, and so it is wild to hear what people have to say about openness. Um, And it's out of fear and it's out of, um, you know, heavy insecurity and, um, and this overarching theme Americans have of, knowing more than you do, even if they don't know anything about the subject at hand. So (laughs) that's really been something I've, I've learned about the country I've lived in my whole life. Yeah. Well, and you married someone not from here, right? Yeah. He's from England and it's been such a different experience going over there and they know most people, I mean, his friends, his family, they all know everything, my situation, my open adoption, never gotten a a bad comment. They've always been super respectful and accepting and like curious, but like encouraging. Yeah. It's wildly different than over here. Versus, yeah, versus my favorite thing is when people feel like they, they should automatically get access to information or your story that you're like, excuse me. It's so opposite over in the UK. They're like, you know, um, they're, they always say, do you mind if I ask this or uh, this now you don't have to answer this. This might be too far or, and it's like usually like the most simplest question in the world. It's nothing that's ever too pressing. Like no one's ever trying to dig into my personal life. They're just being, they're just super polite and they're very reserved people. And so they don't want you digging into their business. So they're not going to do it to you either. Yeah. Just on a like, well, I mean, just on like a funny side note, you know, I do this obviously. And so it's like my job to ask personal questions. And then I have to remember like when I'm not behind the microphone. (laughs) Yeah. Like I do the same thing though. Like I say this, this criticism, but I, I ask questions. I usually try to be really respectful and 
you know, not go too far, but I'm like, okay, you're not their therapist. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. So speaking of which, before we get into closing questions, tell us a little more about your podcast. Um, and what is the format and how can we listen and stuff like that? Yeah. You can find it on Apple podcasts on Spotify, and then you can just go to our website and it'll link to, if you don't have any of those, it'll find you another link there. It's like on 10 platforms. I have no idea. Um, all of the specific names, but it's pretty much anywhere you want to listen. Um, it's called Twisted Sisterhood. It's Ashley Mitchell and I. Um, we're on our second season. We focused the first season on birth mom storytelling, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we have focused the second season on advocacy work and having, we still have birth mom guests on, but we've kind of take something out of their story and focus on it as, um, as a, as an issue. Mm-hmm. So like, I know a, a mom we interviewed, um, for her specific adoption, she was made to sign a consent before the birth and that's legal in, in Washington state where she placed. And so the whole episode focused around pre-birth consent, but we have her on there talking about her experience as well. So we kind of do that this season. Um, it's, so it's not so much storytelling, but, um, really we, we kind of, I think we hear all the time, Ashley and I both do that. We wish there were more birth moms that spoke out. We wish, and I, so do we, um, it's hard to find birth moms that are willing to speak. A lot of times their open adoption is on the line or, they're just kind of hiding in shame mm-hmm. or people in their personal life don't know about it. And so it's, there's a number of things. It's really hard for them to speak out about something like this. And, um, but we have found quite a lot of birth moms to come on the podcast. And so if you're looking for a birth mom and I'm not relatable to you or Ashley's not relatable to you, I almost guarantee that you can go on our podcast and scroll through the episodes and find one that is relatable to you and your situation. And um, I think it really just humanizes us. And um, I think we get these reputations, the stereotype, I guess, that's like, oh, you know, you're um, not smart enough to make your own choices or you're not smart enough to even not get pregnant or you're just in such bad poverty and it really creates this superiority inferiority complex um and it sets your adoption up for naturally just sets it up for such a um imbalance and um inequitable dynamic and so i think what our podcast has done is kind of yes humanizes us but makes it, um, we're more than just, you know, another person in your community. We are mothers and, um, and we're normal people that live normal life, normal to us lives. And, um, I, I think it answers questions of, you know, we're such, a, a confusing human to so many people, like, why would you do this? And why wouldn't you do this? And why, and I think it really shows that um, we not only have um, 
oftentimes a different set of choices to make than a lot of people in that situation. Um, but we don't have the support um, to make other choices. We might not have, um, we don't really have the home team that a lot of other people have. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, I just hope that it really continues to um, make us real and not a figment of your imagination in a lot of people's minds. I feel like that's what we are. So yeah. Not something other yes. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, goodness. Like I'm so excited that you guys are doing what you're doing. Um, and I'm so excited that you guys are working with, uh, other agencies to kind of promote what you guys are doing on a more personal level with your podcast, where you're able to share from your heart, but you're also doing this on a professional and organizational yeah. level, which is so necessary. Well, and we don't have, um, we don't really do any, um, sponsorships or anything. So we don't have our agenda. We, I, I think we used to say, Oh, we don't have an agenda. We definitely have an agenda. Like that's not, <laughs> but it's our own as birth moms. It's not um, a professional agenda. There's a few professionals. I think that they've tried to copy what we do and do birth mom podcast. Um, but it's very much under their watch and um we let anybody and in. we've invited people that are anti-adoption we've invited people that are you know adoption cheerleaders on the opposite side of the spectrum um it's not important to us what their end goal is it's important to us that they are a birth mom and that yeah. they want to come on and um share their perspective yeah so, so, so important. Um, okay. Are you ready to get into closing questions? Yeah. Cool. So what do you wish you had known at the very beginning of your journey as a birth mom? Mm. I think, I think the obvious one is like, I wish it what I wish I would have known what it was going to be like in any capacity because I was very much like, I don't even think I'm going to be sad, which is such a dumb thing to say, but I truly had no idea what was going on. I was very numb to the whole situation. I wish I would have known um, just, you know, I really wish I would have known what kind of, what an open adoption really does look like because um, I've had to do a lot of, I've had to go through a lot of rejection, I think, of asking for something that I can't have in the relationship. And I won't really like go dig into that too much, but just to say that no one, <laughs> adoptive parents are expected to get education, right? But like no one educates us. No one tells us. They're just like, yeah, you can get visits. Yeah, you can do this. And that's going to be a beautiful relationship. It's going to be awesome. You're such a hero. You're whatever. And then you ask for something and they say no. And it's like shocking. Like, I, I don't know. And um, you could ask for like, Oh, can I, you know, um, come over, uh, you know, in a couple weekends and, and stay with you or something. That's not, that's, that's a hypothetical. I didn't do that, but like, they'd be like, Oh, you know, we don't really feel like that's, and I hear a lot of birth moms, you you get rejected and it's like a shock, but no one teaches you. And and people are always on um, Facebook and those groups. My birth mom, my child's birth mom doesn't 
um, doesn't know boundaries. I'm like, no one taught her what boundaries are appropriate. <laughs> like that's something you have to discuss together. Um, no one really did that. So that's a hundred percent something I wish I would have known is what are these boundaries? What do they look like? What is some, what is a healthy amount? Because a lot of it was me shots in the dark. I, I had no idea what to expect. Mm. And then you feel Be- stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like you feel stupid for asking a question and they say no. And you're like, oh gosh, why would I do that? But you don't know. You don't know mm-hmm. any better. Us ones love yeah. to feel stupid. Yeah, no, that's very much so. It's our kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're the people that 20 years later are so embarrassed because they called their teacher mom in second grade. <laughs> yeah. We were wrong once. Oh my gosh. And I was like, God. Oh my God. Okay. So what do you wish you had done differently? Mm, I wish I would have gone through a different professional. Okay. Um, yeah, I went through attorneys and, uh, they charge like astronomical fees. And of course I didn't know any of this until after, and I found out how much they charge. And I was, it's testing when you think about it, that your child was, you know, and a lot of the professionals like to say, oh, you know, you're not paying for the child. You're paying for the services. You're paying that. It's like, it doesn't matter which way you shake it. It feels so gross. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about that, that grosses me out. And just the way I was treated and the way I hear about other women that were treated through them, I, it just really, um, that definitely affects me. And I wish I would have, I would have found someone, um, different. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Uh, how has your tribe best supported you? What was your favorite way that you felt supported? Mm. Um, my friends, both in adoption related, like both in this community and outside of it are really, really good about, um, like asking about what's going on and like present day, not, not necessarily back then, but I have good friends that are like, Hey, it's his birthday today, isn't it? And you're like, Oh my God, thanks for remembering. And so, um, also I know I can talk to them about anything now. And that's probably because I forced them to talk about it so many times that they're like, okay, go ahead. Um, but I, yeah, like remembering the details is, um, super appreciated from me. Um, so yeah. Uh, that's great advice. I, I think that that's something that is easy to access and it's such a small thing that goes such a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the flip side, how have you felt most hurt or misunderstood or unsupported? Hmm. I think, um, you know what? And I might even go this route. I might even say I felt most misunderstood by my own colleagues in this industry. Um, I sat, I've sat in spaces most recently in a zoom call last week where an adoption professional talked over me for a good 10 minutes on, um, his perspective on birth moms I was pissed. I was so angry. And, um, I was like very, it was hurtful. And I got off the phone that day feeling super discouraged and really just very angry and full of rage. And I think that, um, 
I felt the most misunderstood by them and dismissed for sure. Dismissed. Um, I get a lot from them. Like you don't understand the actual demographics of birth moms because you don't know what um, homelessness is like or poverty or, and, and what they don't know is I do know what some of that looks like personally on a personal level, but it's not something I share with them. And so um, I think I get othered a lot of times, like you're an outlier. You're not my 99% of my clientele. And so I have to tell them, I really don't even care if I wasn't part of that 99%. I am taking them with me every day. I don't care. I still think that they don't deserve to be exploited. And so um, by my, definitely by my um, colleagues in this industry, they're just, some of them are just insufferable. (laughs) And so um, I hear the way they speak about birth moms often. Um, There are some really great ones that we've linked up with and I really am appreciative of them. But then there are some other ones where I'm like, you're disgusting. Yeah. I I can't even picture myself talking that way about any humans. Some of the things I've heard from their mouths. So, yeah. Well, I hate that you, I mean, it was a dude too. So you not only got birth moms, you got mansplained. That's a whole other. (laughs) I always am like, like to these men that are working in adoption, I'm always like, what, what are you, what are you getting at? What are you doing? How could you possibly understand these women? But yeah, I mean, it's not for all cases, obviously, but yeah, I, um, I'm a little cautious of those types. Yeah. For sure. Goodness. So, okay. Last question. If you, if you were to just sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement, and I want to ask you to go both ways. So for birth moms in the trenches, but also what do you, you know, this is the adoptive mom podcast. What do you say to adoptive moms? What's your best piece of advice or encouragement for us? Yeah. Um, I think on both sides of it, cause I can kind of combine it. Um, your open adoption is a relationship and, um, you should be striving to achieve equity in your relationships and equity doesn't mean co-parenting equity means equal value in the humanity of a person. And so your, um, relationship with this woman, whether or not you even have access to um, communication or whether or not you even have, um, you even like her as a person, they might be, listen, I know a lot of us are hard to like, hard to, um, give second, third chances (laughs) to, um, but the reality is your child came from her and more than her, your child came from her family and her, her roots and her background. And so um, striving for equity in that relationship is valuing your child and celebrating your child. And so um, when it's a relationship building, it's not just, Hey, here's a few pictures. It's I'm going to write a very detailed letter or I'm going to write an email or I'm going to write, I'm going to plan our next visit. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to put time into this relationship. Like you would put time and effort into any relationship. 
Um, it is an unusual relationship. There are a lot of uncomfortable moments and aspects of it, but it is a relationship. And on the other end, on birth mom's end, um, I know it's hard to be infantilized um, because we're kind of like on the outside looking in, waiting for our cue to come in and join the the group. And um, we're kind of a part of the family and kind of not. Um, and we're not really counted on to be able to make our own choices and decisions. And we're kind of looked at as like, maybe we, you know, those, those girls need to be parented or those girls need to be, but like we are, there is parent and birth parent and you can be a parent in your own way. And um, you should be speaking up for yourself and striving for equity in that same way and striving for equity for yourself. Um, and all of this to say, this is all for the, for the betterment and the good of the child. And so whatever insecurities and whatever confusion or uncomfortable aspects of this um, contribute to the downfalls of this relationship, literally none of it matters. Because at the end of the day, are you working towards the betterment and the best thing for your child? And if you are, then you're doing well. Yeah. So, I mean, just amen to all of that. I feel like I'm <laughs> like still swallowing a lot of it, but like, just yes, yes, ma'am. Preach. <laughs> uh, okay. So you already told us where we can find your podcast. I'll of course link to it in the show notes. Uh, where can we find you personally follow along with your stuff? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at from another mother, which is spelled just like it sounds. <laughs> um, I'm also you can find like my workplace, um, adopt match. And we started a new platform to educate expectant moms on their rights and how to advocate for themselves at thinking about adoption. And, um, we also have a new platform coming out called adopt change, and this will be a database that you can search through to find adoption professionals. It's to promote transparency and it is to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an advocacy wing of Adopt Match. So we're going to be doing a lot of um, push for legislative change, et cetera. So keep I your eyes love that. for that as well. Yeah, that's huge. It's so necessary. Um, yeah. And of course, like I said, I'll have all of this linked in the show notes and more. Um, Kelsey and I are about to go have a fun conversation for our Patreon friends. If you want to be a part of that, head to the adoptedmompodcast.com slash Patreon. But for everyone else, thank you so much, Kelsey. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the Adopted Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at the adoptive mom podcast.com. Thanks for joining us.